Turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Scripture reading this morning is going to be 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 11. I'm not going to read the whole chapter this time, but only 1 through 11. If you are using one of the, the Blue Pew Bibles, you will find those verses on page 959. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 11. Before we hear the reading and the preaching of God's Word, let us pray and ask for His blessing upon our study here this morning. Father God, we do ask that your Spirit would would be here, leading us into truth, sanctifying us by the truth, uh, that we might be uh, further equipped for your service. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning at verse 1. Listen to this. This is the very Word of God. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as He wills. That is the reading of God's Word. If you've been here the last couple of weeks, you know that we have been slowly working our way through these verses, and we come to these verses at the end of a series that I called the Communion of the Saints. It was a a series on a series of texts that, that each highlighted the importance of living in community with one another. God has called us to Himself. He has made us to be His people. And He has put us in community with one another so that we might spur one another on to love and good works. So that by speaking the truth with love into one another's lives, we might attain to maturity. And we have, we have looked at a, a series of texts that, that highlight and, and explain that, that calling and that uh, privilege that is ours as the people of God. But as we think about such a a task, it is easy for us to think that that we can't do it, that we are not sufficient to the calling. And, And in a sense, we are right, because in and of ourselves, we are not sufficient. We are not sufficient to be the, the instruments of one another's edification. We are, we are not sufficient to build one another up towards maturity in Christ. But as we've seen, that's not the end of the story. We are not sufficient in ourselves, but He makes us sufficient. He he gives us His Spirit that we might be able to do all that we have been called to do. And that is the reason that we are coming to this text at the end of this series on the communion of the saints. Because it is here that we learn about the gifts that the Spirit has given us. The gifts whereby we are able to build one another up towards maturity in Christ. 
And to this point, we have seen two fundamental truths in these verses. Two Sundays ago, we we looked at verse 3 in particular, and we we saw that the, the gifts of the Spirit, that everything the Spirit does, in fact, that all of the working of the Spirit is to the glory of Christ. That the Spirit always and only exalts the honor of of His Lordship. And so the ultimate test of spirituality is not some display of power, but rather the ultimate display of spirituality is are we exalting, are we honoring, are we magnifying the Lordship of our Savior? If we are exalting Him, then, then we are working in the power of the Spirit. If we are not exalting Him then we are not being spiritual, no matter how impressive our works may appear to others. And so at the very foundation, at the very cornerstone of our understanding of spiritual gifts, we begin with this idea that spiritual gifts and and all the empowering of the Holy Spirit is to the glory of Christ. And then last Sunday, in in verse 7 in particular, we saw that these particular gifts that He gives us in order to honor Christ, that they are for the common good of His church. But the Spirit empowers us to honor Christ's Lordship by empowering us to serve one another. It's the same thing that we see in the great commandment that Jesus articulates for us in the Gospels. Remember when Jesus is asked, what is the great commandment? He says, the great commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart. To to exalt the, the honor and the glory of the one true and living God. But then he immediately goes on to say, and the second is like it. The second is to love your neighbor as yourself. And really, throughout the rest of the New Testament, it is our obedience to the second command that that reveals our obedience to the first. We honor God. We love the Lord our God as we love our neighbor. And here it works the same way. We exalt the Lordship of Christ by serving His people well, by building them up towards maturity in Christ. That is our foundation. That, that we have gifts. We have been empowered in order to exalt the Lordship of Christ. And we exalt His Lordship by serving one another's common good. This morning I want us to build upon that foundation. I want us to go on to see how Paul builds upon that foundation. And what we're going to see this morning in the rest of this first section here are three truths. We're going to see first that the Spirit gives gifts To each one. That that everyone receives gifts of the Holy Spirit. We're going to see secondly that these gifts are are varied. That the Spirit gives a variety of gifts to His people. Not not one single gift, but but a variety of gifts. And finally we are going to see that He gives these gifts, not according to our discretion, but according to His. He gives these gifts as He wills. And I think that together these three points will will provide us with a framework that will enable us to understand exactly how spiritual gifts work and how we may use them to the good of our neighbor and the glory of our Lord. So let's begin with that first point. That spiritual gifts are given to each one. The the Spirit gifts everyone. We we see this in in verses 6 and 7. Paul writes, there are varieties of activities, but there is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So he says there's a variety of gifts, and we're going to come back to that in just a moment, but but start with this, that that even though there's a variety of gifts, even though these gifts are, are, are of various kinds and of various sorts, that they are given to Everyone, it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. And then he repeats it. He says, to each, 
is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And so Paul has already made the point that if you are in Christ, you have the Holy Spirit. It's only in the power of the Spirit that you can say, Jesus is Lord. And so if you are here this morning and you are a professing believer in Jesus Christ, if you have confessed that He is your Lord and Savior, and that is the honest profession of your heart, then you have done that in the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul says it in in Ephesians chapter 1. He says, when you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit. You you believed in the power of the Holy Spirit. And then you, in believing, you received the sealing of the Holy Spirit. So that you are, if you are now in Christ, you have the Holy Spirit. We we can sometimes doubt that. We we can sometimes question that because we we look around and and we see that, that we're not all that impressive. There are others who are far more impressive. And especially when we look at the pages of Scripture, we see spiritual manifestations that don't seem to be like what we experience in our regular life. And we can wonder, do we really have the Spirit? And Paul says, listen, the foundational test is this. Do you profess faith in Jesus Christ? Is He your Lord and Savior? Because if He is, you have the Spirit. And if you have the Holy Spirit, if you have been sealed with the Holy Spirit, then you have been gifted by that Spirit to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. And we have to begin there. Because we're going to be talking about spiritual gifts, and we're going to be talking about how spiritual gifts enable us to to do the work of ministry that we've been given to do. And we have to understand from the very outset that each and every one of us has a part to play in that work. That each and every one of us not only has a part to play, but that each and every one of us is gifted to play the part we've been called to play. None of us gets to sit on the sideline. None of us is exempt. None of us has has a past. None of us can say, well, you know, that's just not my thing. I'm not really into the work of ministry. Now, we're going to see that there are varieties of gifts. And so not everybody does the same thing. You know, not, not everybody can, can do the same thing. Not everybody's called to, to serve the common good in the same way. There are some things that, that I do that you don't do. There are some things you do that, that I don't do. That there is a division of labor in Christ's church, and that's important. But before we get to the division of labor, we, we have to start with the understanding that the labor belongs to everyone. That each and every one of us is is called to do this work of ministry. And that each and every one of us, having been called, is therefore equipped to do this work of ministry. You have a role to play. There is no one who comes merely as a spectator. We are all participants in the work of the church. When When you join the church, in fact, it's one of the membership vows that you take. One of the membership vows that you take is that you vow in humble reliance upon the grace of the Holy Spirit to support this church in its worship and work to the best of your ability. To to be a good steward of the gifts that have been given to you in supporting the worship and work of Christ's church and particularly this congregation. And so we start with that fundamental assumption that, that if you are a believer... You are a gifted believer. If you are a believer, you are a spiritual believer. If you are a believer, you have been called to do the work of ministry and you have been gifted to do the work of ministry. But, as I said, let's look at that second point. There are a variety of gifts. And so this doesn't mean that that anyone can do anything. There, There may be work in the church that you're not gifted to do. 
You can all be thankful that I'm not the one responsible for paying the bills of the church because the lights might not be on and it might be awfully hot in here if I was the one who was responsible for paying the bills. That's true at my home too. I was talking to one of you the other day, I don't remember who it was, and I said, you know, I've probably written ten checks in my married life. You know, since I've been married, I, I can probably count on one hand all the checks that I have ever written. Why? Because my wife does that and I am glad. Because she is far more gifted to do that sort of thing than, than I am. Even with all of my electronic reminders, I would forget and I would not do it right and I would send it to the wrong address. And all of that would happen and we would be living on the street. And it would be the same in the church if I was the one who was called to do that. You can be thankful that there is someone else who comes in when the air conditionings don't work or when, when the, the bathrooms need service. You can be thankful that, that there are people who... who have the responsibility to be shepherds here in the congregation who have the responsibility to care for you and to, and to love you well and to come alongside you when you are hurting. You can be thankful that there are people who can teach our children far better than, than I can. There, there, are, there are all kinds of jobs in the church. There are all kinds of, of things that need to get done. And the reality is, is that we are gifted differently. It's what Paul says. He says there are a variety of gifts. We don't all do the same thing. In fact, he drives this point home in verses 8 through 10. He, look at it again. He says, he says, to one is given this gift. He says, to, to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom. To another is the utterance of, of knowledge according to the same Spirit. Now, we can guess what the difference is between wisdom and knowledge. That you know, wisdom might be the, the application of the truth to a particular situation. Knowledge might be understanding uh, it in its uh, maybe theological context. But, but we're just sort of guessing. We don't know for sure what Paul has in mind there. But, but it seems that he says, okay, there's a difference between wisdom and knowledge. And some people are really good at wisdom. And other people are really good at knowledge. And, and it's the same spirit, but it's not the same people. And then he goes on, he says, to another, uh, to another faith by the same spirit. So faith is a spiritual gift. Now we all have faith, but there's a faith that is a spiritual gift. Now what does that mean? Again, we're guessing a little bit, but, but it seems that there are certain people who are able to walk in the footsteps of faith without wavering, and they are like anchors for the church, are they not? Are not the, those people who, who when you, know, you begin to question, you begin to wonder, you begin to, to doubt because of the things that you see with your eyes. Maybe you're like Peter walking on the water and you begin to see the waves rather than Jesus. And there are certain people who have the gift of faith and say, hey, remember him. And they're, they're bedrock. They're, they're, they're able to be a strength and an, an encouragement. I'm not sure that's exactly what Paul has in mind, but there's a gift that's called faith, and some people have it, even though we're all people of faith. He says, to another, gifts of healing. We, we see this in the, in the New Testament. There are people who are able to, to lay their hands on people and, and to heal them of their diseases in, in Jesus' name. And there seem to be places in the, the world today, in the church today, where things like this may still be happening. We, we tend to get debated about that a lot today. That's not my, my point or really my interest this morning. But there is certainly a gift of healing that is a spiritual gift that not everybody has, but that some people have. And as we go on, there, there are other gifts. There are miracles. There is prophecy. There's the ability to distinguish between spirits. There are various kinds of tongues. There's the interpretation of, of tongues. He, he just says, listen, there's all kinds of gifts out there. They're all given for the same purpose. They're all given for the common good. They're all empowered by the same spirit. But, but they are distributed differently. And, and I think as we, as we think about what Paul is saying here, we can derive at least a, a couple of principles that can guide us in our understanding of spiritual gifts. 
One thing that I think we can say fairly certainly is that there is no one person who gets every gift. No one person gets them all. He says, to this one is given this, to this one over here is given that. No one person gets them all. What does that mean? It means no one person is sufficient to be the church by themselves. No one person has all the gifts they need to grow up towards maturity in Christ all by themselves. God has placed us in community. He has made us dependent upon one another. We need to be in fellowship with one another because we need one another's gifts. You know, Paul tells us in Romans chapter 1 that he is eager to get to Rome because he's eager to share his spiritual gift with them. But no sooner does he write of his desire to share his spiritual gift with the Romans that he says, and I long to be ministered to by you. I long to be ministered to by your spiritual gifts. I long for that, that mutual encouragement that is going to happen. You know, I have a spiritual gift. I want to use it. I want to, to share it. But I also want to benefit from your spiritual gifts. The Apostle Paul said that. Even the Apostle Paul needed the church. How much more do we need to be in community? No one person is the church by themselves. No one person has all the gifts that they need to, to grow up towards maturity in Christ. We need one another. But not only can we say that no one person gets every gift, we can also say that no one gift is given to every person. No one gift is the definitive evidence of spiritual empowerment. We cannot isolate one of these gifts and say, okay, this gift is it. This is the evidence of, of, of spiritual empowerment. Paul's already told us what that evidence is. It is confessing Jesus Christ as Lord. And he's going to say that when we do that with love... We are evidencing the the Spirit, but there's not a particular gift that is that evidence. We, We cannot make one gift the determining uh, factor in our understanding of, of what it means to be gifted by the Holy Spirit. But rather, people are, are gifted in various ways. People are gifted to do different things. There are a variety of gifts, each given according to the Spirit's will. And each of those gifts is important. Each of those gifts is essential to the, to the life and the, the health of the church. We, we do a disservice to His church if we say this gift is the defining characteristic of a spiritual person. But rather we say, no, no, there, there are a variety of gifts and we don't understand them all. We may not uh, be able to define them all, but we know that the, the Spirit gives a variety of gifts and He gives all of those gifts for the common good of His church. And you may have one gift and somebody else might have another. And because you don't have that gift doesn't mean you're not spiritual. Because they don't have your gift doesn't mean they're not spiritual. In fact, that brings us to the third point here. And it's really a, an important point, is that these gifts are given according to the Spirit's will. It is the Spirit who decides who gets what gift. He he doesn't give any, any one gift to everybody. He doesn't give any one person all of the gifts, but rather He puts us in community and He distributes the gifts in, in a variety of ways. But He does it according to His good, perfect, and pleasing will. It is the Spirit who, who determines who gets what gift. And again, it's vital that we understand that because I think it it leads to to several implications in the life of the church. When we remember that it is the Spirit who distributes these gifts, that the Spirit distributes them as He sees fit, 
it leads us to, to draw a few conclusions. First, I think it leads us to, to trust that He has given our congregation the gifts that we need to do the work that we've been given. All right? We are a particular congregation of Christ's church. We were talking about this in Sunday school this morning. That there is, there is one church. There is one church throughout history. There is one church to the ends of the earth. There, is not, there are not multiple churches. There is one church. And we are a particular congregation of that one church. But in this congregation, I think we can say that we have the gifts that we've been given to do what we've been called to do. Now, I think we need to be careful Because that is a statement that might be easily misunderstood. So let me tell you what that doesn't mean. That that doesn't mean that we have all the gifts to do everything that we might think is important. There there might be things that are important that that we don't have the the gifts to do. That that we, we simply are not well equipped to do. And so, that could lead to one of two conclusions. One, it could lead to, well, we're just not in a position to do that right now. now let's just think of, of the, the, the simple reality of money. You know, Paul calls money a gift. He, he uses the language of grace to talk about money in the church. And, and there are some congregations that have more money than, than others. And that's just a, a reality. And if you don't have money to do something, then... then Maybe you need to ask God for it, or maybe you just need to not do that right now. And there have been times in our own life as a congregation where we have said, you know what? Because of where God has us financially right now, we can't do that. It's a good thing. It's something we would like to do. It's something we would love to do, but we can't do it right now. Maybe in the future. And so the fact that we are gifted according to the the wisdom of the Holy Spirit means that we have every gift we need to do what we've been called to do, but it doesn't mean... That we have everything we need to do, everything we might want to do, even good things that we might want to do. The other side of that is that we might at times be called to, to do something that we're just not very good at doing. You know, I, I think this is the way that, that spiritual gift language gets used sometimes. You know, you know, sometimes we get the idea, well, that's not my gifting, so therefore I don't have to do it. If God had not given me a wife, I would still have to pay my bills. And it might not be my gifting, I might not be really good at it, but I'd have to figure it out. You know, there are things that you have to do that you're not, not good at. And, and we can't use the, the, the language of gifting to say, well, that's not my gift, therefore I can't do it. There are some things we just have to do, they're non-negotiable as a church. And so we seek to do them as best we can. And so if, if that's what it doesn't mean, what does it mean to say that we've been given the grace we need, that we've been given the gifts we need to do everything we've been called to do. Well, you see, God is the one who is sovereign over space and time. He is the one who has put us in our place and, and given us the opportunities. And he says, listen, take advantage of these to the best of your ability with the resources that I have placed at your disposal. And if there are things that we don't have resources to do or don't have the resources to do well, we do them as well as we can with the resources that we can and trust God to be the one to grant growth. You see, God has this, this habit of, of, of accomplishing great things with the wrong resources. Remember the story of Gideon? You know, Gideon's got this great army. He's, gonna, he's, he's gotten his, his will up. He's going to be going against the Midianites. And God says, you've just got too many people. You know, I'm going to have to whittle that down a little bit. And so he starts, he starts working on Gideon's army until finally he's left with like 300 men. 
and not even the, the cream of the crop, but you know, sort of more like the bottom of the barrel, 300 men. And he says, okay, and now go take some broken water drawers and some torches, and, and you're going to defeat the Midianites. Doesn't sound like a great plan. It was probably reminiscent of Jericho. It's like, you remember that time when God told us to walk around the walls and then blow some trumpets and that's how we were going to win? You know, and that's what God does. And so in God's church, he can use what seem to us to be the wrong gifts. But what we have to trust is that what we are called to do is be faithful with what we've been given to do what we've been called to do and trust that God will handle the results. You know, there's this constant debate. Are we, are we called to be fruitful? Are we called to be successful? Or are we called to be, to be faithful? And in some sense, the answer is yes. Yes, we are, we are called to bring forth fruit. That's what the gospel does. That's what God calls us to. But at the same time, we, we recognize that, that growth only comes from God. He has, to, he has to grant that blessing. We must simply do what we can do with the gifts that he has put at our disposal. And so let us trust that God has given us what we need. Let's be faithful with the resources he has he has given and let's seek to do what he's given us to do to the best of our ability. But there's a second principle that I think we can derive from this. Not only do we have to recognize that we have called to be faithful with what's been given to us as a as a congregation, but you need to recognize that as an individual you are called to be faithful with what you've been given. I can say it like this. You have the right gift. You may not think it. You may be coveting somebody else's gift. But you have the gift that the Spirit intended to give you. You have the Spirit. You have the gift that the Spirit in His infinite wisdom decided should be yours at this moment. Doesn't mean you can't ask for other gifts. We're going to get to that. Paul actually commands us to desire greater gifts. There's nothing wrong with that. But right now, in this moment, you have the gifts the Spirit intended you to give, and so you need to use those gifts rather than despise them. We're sometimes asked if we're willing to you know, venture great things for God. Are you, are you willing to aim at something so big that it's doomed to failure unless God be in it? And there's value in asking that question. But I want to ask you the other question. Are you willing to do something small, if God asks you to? Are you willing to do something insignificant if that's the job that God gives you to do? That is insignificant in the eyes of your neighbors, insignificant in the eyes of the, the world. Or are you only content to do something really big, really grand, really noteworthy? Are you willing to simply write a note to a friend who needs a word of encouragement that no one will ever know about? Are you, are you willing to, to say a prayer that no one will ever know you said because you did it in secret in your closet? Are you willing to do small things? It's a question we have to be willing to ask. Are you willing to use the gifts you've been given in the work of ministry that the church has been charged to do? And then finally, are you willing to acknowledge that other people have gifts different than yours? That they've been, that they've been gifted Differently, We have this tendency sometimes to, to, to look at our neighbor and say, well, if they were truly spiritual, they'd be doing what I'm doing. Because, after all, this is, this is what spiritual life looks like. There's a story that Martin Lloyd-Jones tells. It's a, it's a story about a group of, of young pastors. And there was one pastor in this group in particular that, that everyone else in the group just sort of looked down on with a little bit of disdain. And they, they looked down on him because he spent all his time in the library. 
They look down on him because he's just simply neglected to do the pastoral things that they thought he should be doing. He wasn't a good pastor. He wasn't doing what what he should have been doing. And Martin Lloyd-Jones asks, he says, do you know who that despised pastor was? That pastor who, who hid away in the library not doing the pastoral things others thought he should be doing? It was strong. The, the strong behind Strong's concordance. And he was using his gifting to develop a tool that would save pastors countless hours before the advent of the computer. And he said, do you think that the Holy Spirit knew what he was doing when he gave Strong the, the desire to hide in the library? Now, I don't say that just to justify my desire to hide in the, the library. <laughs> but it's just, it's just a story that illustrates, listen, we have been gifted differently. We have been called to do different things, and we must not only use the gift we've been given without despising it, we must not despise the gifts of others. And we must say that as a body, as a congregation, together, we will build up the body of Christ towards maturity in Christ. Because that is what we have been called to do. And having been called, we can be confident that we have been gifted to do it. And we can be confident that we have those gifts because of what we are about to celebrate at this table. The one who descended is the one who ascended victorious. And when he ascended, he gave gifts to men. And because Christ is our victorious Savior, we now know we have every good gift we need to do all that we have been called to do both now and for eternity. And because he has so lavishly gifted us as his people, that is one reason we call this good news. Now, do you believe that? Pray with me. Father God, we do... Rejoice in your mercy. We rejoice in your grace. We rejoice in your gifts. Father, teach us to to recognize them. Teach us to receive them. Teach us to honor them. Teach us to use them to the praise of your glory. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.